Welcome to Swine Doc Pod with Carthage. My name is Dr. Clayton Johnson. I'm the host of the podcast, and I am excited today to be joined by one of our most illustrious guests to date, Mr. Brian Humphreys, the new CEO of the National Pork Producers Council. Brian, welcome to the Worldwide Podcast Studios. Dr. Johnson, I appreciate it. And uh, I am a longtime listener, so I am not, I know I am not the most illustrious guest that you have had on here. You've had a lot of smart folks on this podcast. So thanks for the opportunity to be here today, though. It's going to be fun. I'm glad to find out who's actually listened to it. We know there's one person who keeps listening. And, and Brian, fantastic to hear that you're the one subscriber who's out there. Absolutely. I'm always here to support you, Dr. Johnson. Absolutely. Well, Brian, um, you and I got to know each other uh, an embarrassingly long time ago. I've got it right here. Right there here, you man. Go. Yep, yep. PPLI, the, yep. the course you coordinated for National Pork Producers Council that myself, that Paul Ayers went through, um, really quite a few people uh, uh, that have gone on to be uh, leaders in the industry and, and leaders within National Pork Producers Council. We had uh, Amy Roth, if I remember right. He was in our class as well. Yeah, went um, on to be president of the national. A lot of people that have been very active. Um, you and I got to know each other then. You were in a, a different role at that point, and I think you were fresh off actually a, a, a bit of a political career where you'd worked on the McCain campaign. But please uh, take the time to introduce yourself to the audience, give them some of the background. Absolutely. Thanks for the opportunity there. So uh, I, I started off uh, life uh, growing up on a hog farm in, in southeast Iowa, uh, down uh, down around Columbus Junction there. Uh, went to school at Iowa State, got a, a degree in political science, uh, much to, to my father's, I think, chagrin that uh, believed that a degree in ag business, ag anything, would have been would have been great. Um, and uh, during college and after college, uh, I was very fortunate to have the opportunity to work on political campaigns kind of around the country. So I worked in Minnesota a couple of times. I worked in Iowa a couple of times, worked in Pennsylvania uh, and just worked in D.C. for a while, uh, not on the Hill, but on, on campaigns. Uh, and had a lot of fun doing it. Um, as, as you would imagine, though, uh, bouncing from campaign to campaign uh, and every November starting over looking for a job can be a bit stressful. Uh, and so uh, was looking to, to take a little bit of a break after the 08 McCain campaign uh, and was fortunate enough that there was an opening for a director of grassroots position here at the National Pork Producers Council. Uh, and little known story that I'll share with this, this team here, uh, believe it or not, I didn't actually, I submitted an application and a resume and never got a call back uh, and actually had to, had to do what I do best, which is make a few phone calls and lobby that maybe I should at least get an interview. Uh, and so it uh, went well and they, they hired me and brought me on uh, and, and loved working at MPPC. So I was here for five years and, and did uh, the, the, the PPLI program, which is now the Pork Leadership Institute or PLI. And it's a program between MPPC and the National Pork Board on leadership development, but really helping to bring folks up to your point to get engaged in the organization. And so uh, had a lot of fun with that program with you and with Paul and, and AV and obviously others in that in that group. Uh, but I, I believe in your group, Dr. Johnson, uh, I think we had three or maybe even four board members, uh, MPPC board members out of that class. And so looking forward to having you run for our board someday and being engaged as is the expectation there. So that'll be that'll be fun down the road. Uh, and, Whenever uh, the uh, the role comes up for podcast host as a member of the board, then I'll be perfectly qualified for that job. Absolutely, we'll get you engaged. I appreciate that. Uh, five years with MPPC, and then uh, had the had the great opportunity to go work in Ohio to be the executive director of the Ohio Pork Council, uh, and 
had a really enjoyed that job, had a a lot of good friends that I got to work for uh, there. Uh, And then uh, in 2019, uh, had the opportunity to to come back here. My my wife was offered a job back in Iowa. Uh, My wife is also a veterinarian. uh, And so she had an opportunity to come back here. uh, And so uh, went to work for the National Pork Board for a couple of years and then started as the CEO of the National Pork Producers Council uh, in December of, of 2021. So been in this role just about nine months now, just shy of nine months. So, I know uh, in your spare time, you enjoy doing a little bike riding. And if I can tie the political pieces to the bike riding, from what I've seen in the news the last couple of months, you must be Biden's bike riding coach. Is this correct? Can you confirm or deny <laughs> I, I can neither confirm nor deny. Confirm nor deny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If not, coach, I want video to make sure you weren't the one that tripped him and made him fall over, because that could I, be possible as well. That I, I, I can again neither confirm nor deny such things. <laughs> the, the, the third person on the hill, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, um, do, do enjoy the bike riding. Uh, my son has actively got into rock climbing, which is a new thing, uh, and and that's a uh, for those of you who are not from Iowa, because I know you're a worldwide podcast. Rock climbing opportunities in Iowa are challenging, but uh, he has found a way to get into it. And so we, we enjoy that on the weekends now, in addition to bike riding. Brian, my good friend, uh, Chris Rodemaker has a quote that I always remember. He says, money's the answer. Now tell me your problem. Okay. So if there's not good rock climbing opportunities in Iowa, that can be facilitated. That it, yeah, absolutely it, can be fixed. Yeah. Th- there's, there's two gyms that are fat, that are packed every weekend in the state of Iowa that would, would agree with that. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Yep. You know, in all honesty, um, go, thinking back to my experiences with NPPC, um, I, uh, I would have been one of the people, Brian, that showed up in DC thinking, what am I doing here? Right? Like I'm a, I'm a, a rural kid from the middle of nowhere, nowhere. Right. I grew up with a farm background. I, I expected nobody to care what I thought. And um, really, you know, the, some of the speakers you had come in early hooked me on the idea that no, 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 politicians do care what you think. And it's self-serving because we are all selfish as individuals, right? But they need your vote to be reelected. And if they're passionate about their issues, they know the only way they can actually make progress is to be elected, right? To, to, to get that vote. So they, I was amazed that they actually do listen. I mean, they, they, they do care, even if they disagree with you vehemently on almost every issue. If you're their constituent, they care. And one of the things that you guys drilled into us was they care more what the constituent thinks than what your team is able to bring to them, right? You summarize it, but they trust it a lot more when it's coming from the horse's mouth than when it's just coming from somebody that that we have um, hired to represent us. Is that a fair way to, to say it? 100%. 100%. Absolutely. And so uh, as a quick background, so, so MPPC is a, a trade association and, and we have uh, folks, folks invest in us voluntarily through the strategic investment program. And for folks that are interested, I encourage you to visit MPPC.org and, and, and get more information or call the office, be happy to talk to you. Uh, but we were originally established uh, in an effort to help organize pork producers around the country to do exactly that, to tell the story of what's happening on the farms and how legislation or regulations or international trade issues impact back in the countryside. Uh, and, and while uh, there's value in having hired guns, uh, which is what us and our team are in DC, and we need to be there every day to keep relationships open with offices, make sure we're keeping a pulse on what's happening. Uh, but the reality is a big part of our job is to take that 
uh, and translate it and get it back to you so that you can make those calls to your member of Congress and talk about what's going on in Washington, D.C. and how it's going to impact back home. Uh, to your point about uh, uh, folks wanting to, to hear from their constituents, um, I, I grew up on campaigns. I, I, I was where I cut my teeth in the professional world, came here to do grassroots to get folks like yourself to tell your story in D.C., uh, and I've always been and will always be a firm believer that uh, it is our job as staff to, to kind of to do the behind the scenes networking to, to get things going. But ultimately, at the end of the day, if we don't have producers and folks engaged in the industry telling that story and being engaged in the process, then we're kind of standing out there on an island. And so we really need you to engage and participate. And we've seen it. I, I, literally, just before this call, I was on the phone with a, a producer uh, who uh, had been to a few meetings with a, a member of Congress, uh, and they talked about the labor issue and, and how we're, we're short on labor everywhere. And what that means, not only to their farm, right? It means something to their farm, but what it really means for the entire community in which they operate. Because it's not that they, it's not they can't, they'd hire, they hire somebody to fill the job today if there was somebody, but they can't find anybody. And so therefore, they're not paying the payroll taxes. The cars aren't being driven. The gas isn't being bought. The apartments aren't being rented. This has a long tail effect to, to rural America here. And, and so they were out telling that story of the impact. And now the, the staff and the members of Congress are calling them and saying, okay, talk to us more about this. Let's get more information about this. Now, to your point, that doesn't mean there's going to be a solution tomorrow. That doesn't mean we're going to have a, a, a fix on immigration uh, by the end of the year. But what it does mean is that they're paying attention, they hear the story, they hear the information, uh, and they're, they're willing to take it back and do something on it. So uh, for folks that aren't now telling your story, boy, oh boy, do, do yourself, do your industry a favor and, and get engaged and participate. And we're happy to help. That's our job. That's what we do here uh, at NPPC. So. There's an old saying, you can either uh, help plan the menu or you can be what's served for dinner, right? So yeah. you can choose to engage or not engage. But you know, don't engage at your own peril because uh, you may not be able to steer the ship, right? They're not going to give you the rudder to, to the Congress's purse strings, but you can at least advise them on what's important. And um, you know, there's an old political joke that politicians do what you tell them they want done, and then they take credit for it, right? You know, and I, there's there's some reality to that. Yeah. Yep. It, and to your, your your point, right? Members of Congress have to be elected, have to go through an election process every two years. Members yeah. of the Senate every six years. Uh, and so there's accountability there. And um, there's a reason they have, these folks have tremendous team members that, that do constituent outreach and, uh, and talk about issues and get educated on the issues. And so um, and the reason that they have those team members is to make sure that they're keeping a pulse on what's happening on the ground, that the stories that are happening, but then are also able to help connect that up to bills and legislation and, and things going through. So it's that engagement that makes the difference. And uh, it's it, to your point, right? You're either at the table or on the table to, to paraphrase your saying there. Uh, and, and we we as an industry are always better suited, not just in the pork industry, but all of agriculture uh, to be at the table and having those conversations and, and being engaged. And so that's that's a key part of what we do here. So. You've had experience at National Pork Board and then at National Pork Producers Council. Um, talk to us about the differences in those organizations, because there are some fairly stark lines of uh, differentiation that are very important, but I don't think are always intuitive to everybody. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, I was very fortunate to have a couple of years to work over at the National Pork Board. Uh, and, and for those who aren't aware, that is the, the checkoff organization. So 40 cents for every hundred dollars of value uh, is, is for, for pig sold goes to the National Pork Board. Uh, that's changing in January to, to 35 cents. But 
that, that money is used for education, promotion, and research. Uh, and that is a huge benefit to our industry uh, as we talk about preliminary research on uh, diseases or uh, on surveillance methods, uh, the development of a program called AgView. Uh, they're working on some sustainability projects. All of those things are instrumental to our industry as we look long-term down the road uh, on the, the importance of, of where we need to be heading as an industry and the resources and tools we're going to need to be successful as we move forward. Um, and, and so because of that, though, education, promotion, and research is, is outlined by Congress through what's called the PORC Act. And so the pork board cannot operate outside of that. And the reality is outside of that essentially means anything political. So the, the pork board can't do anything political or uh, lobbying or engagement of, of elected officials. And to, to that point, that's where MPPC steps in. Uh, and that's why we're in existence. And so we have a, a team of folks in, in Washington, DC. Uh, we have contract lobbyists here at MPPC around the country in different states. Uh, and then we have consultants uh, globally uh, as we work on international trade issues. And so our job is to, to, to push for reasonable legislation uh, and reasonable regulations as it relates on the federal level uh, and, and then international level. Uh, and then you may be familiar, for instance, in Illinois, there are the Illinois pork producers with a terrific team with Jennifer Tyree there and her team uh, that do roughly the same thing uh, at a state level. And so part of the confusion is at the state level, you may have uh, both the checkoff and the non-checkoff or the SIP, the, the lobbying side together. On the national level, we're separate. Uh, two, two different locations, two different CEOs, uh, two different teams, two different, uh, two different uh, um, objectives and goals that we work towards. Uh, that said, I actually talked to my counterpart, Bill Even this morning for uh, about 45 minutes. Uh, we, we try to, uh, a lot of the issues we work on uh, have some, some overlap. Uh, and they have their area and we have our area, but remaining as, as coordinated as legally allowed and making sure that we're doing what we can to ensure that there's no duplication. Because the last thing the investors or the industry wants uh, and the, the folks that, that are willing to, to dedicate their hard-earned dollars to these organizations is to believe that Pork Board is doing something and MPPC is doing the exact same thing or vice versa. And so uh, remaining, uh, recognizing each other's lanes and then making sure we're communicating through that. It's been a priority of mine since I started. It's been a priority of Bill Evans and, uh, at Pork Board and Neil Dirks here before I started. So uh, to answer your question, simply two separate organizations, two very separate directives, uh, but both incredibly important to the, org to the industry as we move forward uh, and, and, and face the challenges that are coming at us uh, quicker and quicker, it seems like. Yeah. Yeah. And Pork Board's done a tremendous job of being nimble with those research programs you mentioned. Um, industry was in a very unexpected, challenging place in 2020 with the marketing disruptions. We found ourselves doing uh, euthanasia of, of, of whole farms that we never dreamed possible, right? And I give that team a ton of credit. Um, uh, Sarah Crawford, uh, Stephanie, I mean, they, they shifted the focus, they shifted the resource priorities, tremendous. And you mentioned funding two different ways, right? Check off to pork board, SIP, NPPC funding. That's changing a little bit right now. At least the 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 non uh, pardon me the the yeah the non voluntary part of it's check off. That's changing. The voluntary part of it we hope changes, but there's no force change to it, right? Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. So uh, the this has been a conversation in the industry for uh, ever since I've been here. So so more than ten years uh, about uh, allocation of resources. And so if we looked at it uh, as it stands today, uh, 
40 cents for every hundred dollars of value is it goes to MPV for the programs we just talked about uh, and, and the terrific work that they do. Uh, 10 cents per hundred dollars of value is a voluntary investment that folks in the industry choose to, to, to put together uh, to help fight off bad legislation and regulations and do the things that MPPC does both domestically and globally. Uh, and, and over the last several years, the discussion has gone that there are more and more challenges on the policy side on the lobbying and government relations side. Mm -hmm. And so January 1st, NPPC will be raising our investment rate from 10 cents per $100 value to 15 cents per $100 in value. Uh, at the same time, pork boards uh, rate of 40 cents per $100 value is going to 35 cents per $100 in value. And I just wanna be clear on the process. That happened at an annual meeting. Uh, pork board voted, uh, the, the Pork Act delegates voted uh, for the change. And MPPC's delegates voted for a change. Uh, and so there's a, a process that goes through that. There was a lot of producer input on that. Um, and, and important to understand, but it's also important to understand that, that the challenges that we are facing as an industry uh, continue to grow on the policy side. And, and just to give you an idea, and this is a, I apologize, Dr. Johnson, I'm going to nerd out for just a minute, but between 1900 and 1999, one of the parties in Congress, so either the House or the Senate, changed 12 times, okay? Between 2000 and 2021, or it's changed six, seven times, excuse me, and we're looking at it changing in eight times. Yep. And so it, from 1900 to, to 1999, which mostly most of our organizations were, were, were created within that time frame, you could establish a relationship with a member of Congress or uh, the, 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 the governing party uh, and, and, and have some consistency for a long 10 year time. You could build relationships, you could, you could build long-term education plans with those members of Congress and regulatory agencies. Um, but given the speed at which these, these folks are changing over and, and, and the back and forth, MPPC uh, needs to continue to be more and more and more engaged in Washington DC but also globally, because this isn't just an, a, a United States thing. This is happening globally. And so we've got to continue to be engaged uh, at a much higher and more consistent level, uh, both, both domestically and globally. Uh, and with that comes a need for resources. And so for the folks that, that have already committed to the 15 cents, thanks for trusting us with your investment. For those of you who have not or not investors, boy, please reach out because uh, to, to their conversation on the table, at the table or on the table. And so it's better for us to, to be represented uh, effectively and efficiently uh, at the table. So, I've been fortunate, Brian, to get to travel the world and see pig farms all over the world. And I can assure you that one common thing that I get questioned on unexpectedly, but when I first started doing this, but common question I get is explain to me your national associations in the United States, because these things have not been replicated to my knowledge anywhere else in the world, at least not at the level you guys are doing it. So I go to Japan and they have a wonderful pork industry. They have tremendous farmers, great veterinarians. They don't have one organized voice. And a lot of people probably don't know this, but Japan has been battling a disease outbreak. They've had classical swine fever issues going back to probably 2019, if I remember right. And they don't have that unified voice to, to come together and represent their interests or, to, or the, on the pork board side, do the research. And so they're shooting from the hip. And it's a lot of producers on nights and weekends that are doing what they can to represent the industry, but without any sort of formal inertia and certainly with no formal funding behind them. And they're jealous of what we've created here in the United States. And I don't think it's a coincidence that we've been so successful at building our exports, which allows us to build our collective supply chain. 
Um, it's good for everybody, right? Make the pie bigger. Um, and, and what we put together in terms of the industry association. So in all honesty, from, from every producer that I represent, thank you for everything that you guys do and please keep doing it. And I, I think what you said is a, a great kind of lead into to hot topics, right? Um, you know, uh, we've had uh, a lot of interesting stuff going on here in the industry. I know you said that there's Massachusetts information that's kind of, you know, just coming out, trickling out as we speak right now. But what do you hear, Brian, from, from your constituents? What, what, when you talk to producers, when you're chatting with your board, what are the pain points now? You mentioned labor, you know, what else is out there that they're asking about? Yeah, absolutely. So I, first and foremost is, is labor. Uh, and, and we recognize that as a pinch point. Uh, and we have been pushing with our friends in Congress uh, heavily over the summer, but also last spring, uh, talking about um, uh, a Farm Worker Modernization Act. And uh, I want to be clear, the idea of a full immigration reform at this point is uh, nothing is ever impossible when the American people put their mind to it. I want to be clear, uh, but highly unlikely, uh, given the, the divides that we have now. Uh, and so working to educate folks, to my point earlier, talking about the business impact that that has and, and pushing on that. We also hearing a lot about Proposition 12. And I think you're aware uh, for folks on the, on the podcast here, that uh, on uh, October 11th, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court will hear oral arguments on a case that was brought by uh, the National Pork Producers Council and the American Farm Bureau Federation, challenging uh, the constitutionality of, uh, of Proposition 12. But we also have a similar, uh, a similar issue in the state of Massachusetts with Question 3 uh, and some challenges that we face there as an industry. Uh, earlier this morning, uh, when we report, re recording this podcast, uh, we were working with uh, the, the state on uh, trying to figure out how we navigate this and move forward with an implementation date of August 15th. Uh, and hopefully this afternoon or early tomorrow morning, we'll have something official that we can roll out. Uh, and depending on when we post this podcast, uh, it'll, be, uh, it'll be newsworthy and folks, uh, uh, folks, folks will be excited for, for, for what we've achieved. Uh, again, in collaboration with our partners in the state uh, and recognizing that this, this has a significant impact. Uh, but, but it goes to a broader question as you talk about what are the concerns that the industry has, Dr. Johnson, and it's uh, the impact of these state initiatives and these state measures, uh, and how is that going to continue to impact business? Uh, and it's, it's the business on the farm, but it's the, the how do we move product, how do we sell product, how is product labeled, uh, how are we tracking it through the system, these continue to present challenges. Um, and it's also replicated in the corporate uh, arena as we looked at this spring with some of the challenges we faced with uh, Carl Icahn and, and McDonald's and others uh, as they put together, uh, as some of the animal rights groups out there put together uh, language challenging uh, what they can and can't sell or reports that they were demanding of, of our customers in the retail space and food service space. And so, and then on top of that, uh, and we can talk more about ASF in just a moment, uh, but if I categorize some of the bigger challenges that, that, that we hear about and concerns we hear about, it, it really goes into to, 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 to a few areas. Uh, one is international trade. Um, the world is changing quickly. Uh, we had a banner year in 2021 with exports. Uh, by comparison, 2022 looks like it's down, but over a five-year trend, we're, we're in an okay spot there. We always wish there were more exports, um, but there's global uncertainty now. And while we understand ASF is spreading, um, the, the global challenges that we face with supply chain logistics, but also you've heard the term friendshoring or onshoring. That's not just a manufacturing that goes to food production as well. And so we face challenges there. So again, international trade and geopolitics is, is one of those categories. 
the domestic policy front as we talk about labor and how are we going to fix that. Uh, and then we have the state challenges as we talk about question three or Prop 12 in California, and then the corporate policy. And so as I kind of break down how we're organizing here at MPPC as we look to the future, um, having a, a strong person and Maria Ziba to run our international trade side, uh, a strong person to, to work on domestic policy issues as we work to identify uh, Nick Giordano, who's retiring's uh, replacement, uh, working on corporate policy as we look at uh, Dallas Hockman uh, and his impending retirement, uh, working on replacing those. Uh, but then also on the state policy side and how we're going to handle those moving forward. And, and we've got folks filling in on that uh, with Cody McKinley and Michael Formica here as well. So uh, to the concerns that we face, uh, again, labor, uh, ASF, uh, international trade, what's that going to look like in the geopolitical world we face? State initiatives are, are the highlight. I would like to dial in just a bit if I could on some of this ASF stuff, because uh, we know this is in the Western Hemisphere. We know it's continuing to spread globally. Uh, and it has devastated our partners uh, in other countries uh, with, with this disease. And, and so one of our goals as an American, as the American pork industry should always be to prepare and prevent. And if we're not working on that a little bit every day, then, then I'm not sure we're doing our job. And so uh, to, to my conversation earlier about being good partners and, and working as much as we can with our friends over at the National Pork Board uh, at USDA, at USTR and anywhere else that's willing to work to prevent and prepare for a foreign animal disease, um, we put together a pretty good work uh, plan on six major priorities that we're gonna work on the remainder of this year uh, and then into the future. Uh, but first and foremost, MPPC through Dr. Anna Forseth uh, and Dr. Liz Wagstrom, who's now retired as a consultant, but Dr. Anna Forseth uh, are working to harmonize, uh, work to harmonize federal and state response plans. And so with that couple, couple of things, but review of the Red Book, uh, but then also understanding what are the talking points that everybody's going to use in the case of a foreign animal disease and making sure those are ready to go so that we, we let our consumers both domestically and internationally know that we're on top of this. We want to make sure that we're providing clear and accessible information about what's going to be needed on farm in the case of a foreign animal disease or an ASF outbreak. Uh, so that's the that's reviewing the checklist that it, Pork Board has uh, and, and working to make sure we have a one-stop shop where you uh, or producers can go out and, and quickly say, okay, here's everything we need to have. And beforehand, what do you need to do to be prepared and be on top of it? Uh, and so making sure that we're, we've got all those in one accessible place and producers know they can go and do take care of these things to be as, uh, as ready as possible. Uh, we also wanna maximize surveillance efforts to allow for an early identification of an outbreak. And then that comes with a couple of things. One, I'd encourage all of your listeners, if they're not already signed up for an AgView account through the National Pork Board to do that. Uh, but also uh, we're working with USDA to, to identify uh, sampling methods, right? And what is gonna be the most usable surveillance sample uh, for determining uh, ASF or any foreign mouth, foot mouth, foreign animal disease that may come into this country uh, as part of that. Um, and then also, and that's for active and passive surveillance as well. Uh, encourage folks again to get signed up if you don't have premise IDs, boy, get a premise ID. I think that's something as an industry uh, that we're going to continue to evaluate. Um, are folks signing up for it? Do we need to reevaluate mandatory premise IDs? What does that plan look like? Uh, and, and how can we push that along? Um, we also want to expedite, I, I, you're very familiar with SHIP or the Swine Health Improvement Plan. 
Uh, and so how do we expedite the processing of that to get it as a USDA platform? Uh, incredibly important work there being done by our friends at Iowa State. Uh, and we need to make sure that the industry is supportive of it, but also that we get it expedited in as a USDA program so that it has the bandwidth and resources it needs to be successful. Uh, also want to make sure that we're working towards some certainty on indemnity, right? And so before the crisis hits, uh, as you talked about during 2020, revamping and getting going, we'd really like to get some of this stuff hammered out prior to uh, a foreign animal disease outbreak. So working to review the indemnity structure, uh, identifying opportunities for improvement, and then starting to execute on those. Uh, and then really uh, starting to lay out with our trade partners, what is the path for a return to trade should we have an outbreak? Uh, and so we're never going to get it 100% hammered out. I want to set expectations with our folks out there. We're never going to have 100% guarantee from our trading partners in the case of any foreign animal disease that we can resume trade the next day. But what is the path back to normal trade and how can we expedite that? So a lot going on there. Six major priorities that we're working on. Um, if folks are interested in getting engaged or participating, sure encourage them to reach out to our shop and work with Dr. Anna Forseth on that. We'd love to have the help. So Excellent. Ryan, you covered a lot there. Um, I'd love to go into details on, on each of those pieces, um, but in particular on the, uh, the, the Prop 12 case that Supreme Court has agreed to hear. Um, all of us are interested in that, whether, whether we're interested in Prop 12 as a production practice for our farm or not, right? It's very important because we know Colorado, Massachusetts, right? There are lots of other states that are ready to copycat that approach if they're allowed to do so. One of the things that you mentioned before is the ever-changing uh, party in charge Congress, right? And the need to have relationships on both sides of the aisle. I wanna, I wanna get a little inside baseball from you because you got the White House to actually stand up with pork producers on Prop 12. And I really wanna pick your brain as to, uh, to, to not only you personally, who tripped Joe Biden as that poor guy was just riding his bike. <laughs> how you got that in all honesty, right? You, you tripped Joe Biden, you led McCain to a, uh, a victory over Obama that I think all of us recognize. So, in all honesty, how do you how do you guys work across the aisle like that, right? Like, you know, politically agnostic, right? But everybody's going to lean one way or the other. When you got to work with the side you don't lean with, how do you how do you go to them and find that common ground? It's impossible to do in today's world to find that common ground, ground, right? But you guys pulled that off, and I don't think that's a small deal to get the the current administration at the White House to say, we stand with pork producers on this. We don't stand with California. We stand with pork producers on this. How does that happen? That's a, a, a great point. And just to clarify, uh, your first two points are not true and that's how bad rumors get started, but we'll, we'll address that later. Anybody <laughs> who believes what I say on this podcast is like doomed to their own failure, right? So don't fair, worry about fair, that. Nobody fair, listens. Fair. Nobody listens. Well, say whatever you want. We'll, we'll listen to that lower expectations here. So, so to your point though, about working across the aisle, um, MPPC is, is not a, a, a partisan organization. And uh, it has been, I have said it in anybody who will listen, I, MPPC, will work with anybody and everybody who wants to make the U.S. pork industry and agriculture as a whole successful. Uh, and yes, I, I, I understand that on the news and in, in, in rhetoric and everything else uh, that, we, that, that we hear just all this divide and all this fracture in D.C., and it's real. I'm not going to deny that it's real. But at the end of the day, uh, we are fortunate in this country that while they're going to fight, they're going to yell, they're going to they're going to say things. At the end of the day, we are fortunate that we have staff and members of Congress in D.C. and in the administration 
who want to do good things on behalf of the American people. Um, we may disagree on what good things are at times, but when we can sit down and have a candid conversation uh, and, and about the facts, about this is the impact of a Proposition 12, you're worried about food inflation, you're worried about food affordability and availability. Well, let's talk about what these things mean and how they're going to impact. Again, uh, MPPC's job is not to get into the political fight between the two sides. That, that's for others, right? And, and I came from that world. I get it. I see the value in it. But our job here is the American pork producer, right? And so uh, we'll have conversations with anybody uh, about any topic they want, and we'll tell the story of the American pork producer and get engaged and have those conversations. And, and when, when you're willing to go in and just tell the facts and have the conversation and bring in pork producers, to your point earlier, that are interested in telling their story, it changes the dynamic of what it is that we're doing here. And, and so it's not easy. Uh, if it was, somebody else would probably do it. Uh, yep. And so it, it's, it, it's tough. It's challenging. Sometimes you got to bite your tongue. Uh, but that's, that's what makes us ultimately successful. To your point, though, about the U.S. Solicitor General signing on the Proposition 12 uh, amicus brief there on behalf of the industry, don't let it be lost on, on us, uh, the, the, the benefit to the American people of that. Um, they recognize that, uh, that, that food inflation is an issue. They recognize that uh, uh, affordability and availability is an issue. Uh, and it, it is uh, a real challenge. Uh, it is a real challenge out there. And, and uh, to your point, uh, if somebody wants to build a Proposition 12 barn and somebody wants to pay for that product, uh, we are, MPPC is, we are full, we are full on capitalists. We are 100% supportive of that. Awesome. It is the, the challenges on the other side that, that, that raise questions. And to your point, uh, if, if, if they're where else? Uh, and if, uh, if, if one style here, is it something else there? Uh, and then the logistics of that for the industry, uh, but, but, but just as importantly for the American consumer that we have an obligation to raise a high quality affordable product for. And the, that's one thing about the, the board and the, the producers you know and that I work with, Boy, yeah, we're capitalists, but we take a great deal of pride in this industry of a high quality and affordable product, not just a high quality expensive product, but a high, a high quality and affordable product uh, to the American consumer. Uh, and, and, and they should be proud that they're, they're buying and eating high quality product from American farmers. Uh, and so making sure it's available for them to be able to do so. So uh, that's what makes this job fun. That's why I enjoy it, why I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. So. We are blessed with the safest and most plentiful food supply in the history of the world, in yes. the history of the world, for all the challenges we have. Um, feeding people has been a problem for tens of thousands of years, and we have better solutions than ever before to that problem. And I think we all have to step back sometimes and reflect on that, right? And fight for choice, exactly like you said, right? We need rules in place to protect the, the safety of the food supply chain. Beyond that, right? If if Brian wants to shop for pork different than Clayton and and you know and and uh, jo Johnny and Sally don't want to don't want any pork at all, totally up to you, right? But what, what we don't want is somebody imposing their preferences on everybody else. Yep. That's uh, that's not capitalism. I've traveled a lot of places where that is present, and you may like that program when it's your bias be put being put on somebody else. Right. But when that goes the other way, that is no fun. So I, I appreciate everything you guys are doing there. Um, the, the last thing I want to get to, Brian, before we head off here today is uh, you guys have done a rebrand at NPPC. Um, yep. Talk to us a little bit about, you know, what is that? What does it mean for, for you guys? What's it mean for producers? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and that's a great question. I, I appreciate you bringing it up. So 
at, at World Pork Expo this year, the, the National Pork Producers Council launched a, a rebrand and, and a couple of things if you haven't seen it, um, but uh, it, it has a, a pig and a, a speech bubble on the left-hand side as you look at it. Uh, and, and the speech bubble is red, white, and blue for a reason. The, the National Pork Producers Council is the global voice for the U.S. pork industry. And to your point, uh, we have folks in, in Japan right now, had folks in Chile last week. Uh, we, are, we are out there on behalf of the U.S. pork industry telling your story, uh, trying to push them on, on uh, the value of buying U.S. product and U.S. pork. Uh, but then also our, the, the position of our name. And since this is a podcast, I'll describe it a little bit. Uh, so we have the speech bubble and a pig on the left-hand side, and on the right-hand side, we have national, and then the next line is pork producers, and the next line is council. And pork producers was strategically placed in the center because that's who we represent, and that's who we are. Our board is made up of, our committees are made up of, the direction that we as staff receive come from the American pork producer, and we should never forget that. So in the center of everything is the American pork producer, and that's who we work for. Uh, and so... Uh, it changes uh, it, 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 the, the timing of it is to demonstrate we have new leadership in myself, but also a new president, new organization, new strategic plan, new funding mechanism, as we talked about earlier. Uh, and, and MPPC has been tremendously successful over the decades at defending and fighting for the American pork producer. Uh, and this is a reaffirmation that we, are, we continue to take that seriously, uh, but we're also changing and adapting to the challenges that we face today and into the future. Excellent. Brian, I know you're going to be joining us at our Carthage Annual Conference here in a couple of weeks. Um, for folks who have in, enjoyed this content and want to hear some more about the, uh, the good stuff that you and the folks at National Pork Producers Council are working on, please, I'll put in a shameless plug, come join us uh, August 23rd uh, in Quincy, Illinois. The, the pork industry will be converging, and, and it amazes me, Brian, but we, this will be our 32nd annual year. Uh, they've been having this since before I was born. I didn't even know that, right? 32nd annual one. Um, and in all honesty, we get 700 people that come every year. A lot of producers, a lot of industry folks. We get some of the top experts in the industry that are going to be there. Um, you, you got labor issues. We've got an entire breakout session with our HR team talking about international talent. Okay. Um, you hear people say all the time, people don't want to work. People don't want to work. That's a lie. Maybe people in your town don't want to work, but there are plenty of people, very skilled, very educated, who really, really want to work on our pig farms. Our HR team is going to tell you exactly how to do it. Prop 12 we talked about. We had an entire breakout session on Prop 12. Brian, we got one of the auditors from California who's going to be there. You know, what are they looking at on farms? Um, we've got a producer who's doing Prop 12 to tear, tell their story. You know, uh, we've got some amazing content and to our audience, August 23rd, if I can get this published by August 23rd, that's that that'll that'll push me here, Brian. But if you're listening to this, it's not August 23rd. Look at your calendar. If you can make it to Quincy, Illinois, I promise you it's going to be the best 75 bucks or whatever the registration fee is that you've ever spent. Um, and Brian, uh, thank you for coming on. It's been a pleasure to get to know you through the years. Super awesome that you're in this role. Um, if it takes me conning you and, and paying you your exorbitant speaking fee to get you on the podcast every once in a while for us to catch up, I'm happy to do it going forward, man. Absolutely. And we can talk about the speaker fee. It is exorbitant, but you know, we, we at MPPC appreciate the support. So. Well, I, I appreciate you coming on. Great to catch up with you as always. In, in all honesty, please pass the message along to your whole team. From the Carthage team here, we really appreciate what you guys do for us. Yeah, we appreciate, appreciate the opportunity to be here and serve the American pork producers. So thanks again for the opportunity, Dr. Johnson. Yep. 
One last shout out. I want to thank uh, swineweb.com for all their help in us getting this podcast set up. Um, Jen Meany and his team were instrumental in teaching a technology illiterate person like myself on how to record these sort of podcasts and get them posted. Uh, Jim, thank you for that. I can never thank you enough. Um, and if you haven't checked out swineweb.com, please go check it out. Jim's got all the information going on in the pork industry that you need every day. Make that thing your homepage, check it out uh, early and often. Uh, for Dr. Clayton Johnson, uh, I'm with uh, the host here at, at Swine Doc Pod with Carthage, with Carthage Vet Service, signing off. Thank you very much for joining us, and please have a great rest of your day.